I said this like at the beginning of the year when we were talking about like the vision for this year about being intentional and building each other up and stuff um, that I, I really wanted to like be known by you guys and not just have you guys know facts about me you know like um, I, I feel like a lot of people like just know facts like I love comic books Superman's my favorite yada 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 but um, you know this was a big step in honestly like me coming forward and like being myself and opening up to you guys and so like I really appreciate you guys like receiving that part of me um, that's really hard to show a lot of times Whew. and so uh, you know I got to overcome some pride and a lot of fears and things like that and self-pity and if you guys want to know more about me later like please like let's hang out I don't want it to just be one of those things where everybody comes to me when like they need a problem solved or they need prayer or something I really want us to be family like yeah. that's what the kingdom of God is about is about family and so we're going to talk a little bit about the kingdom tonight um, kingdom citizenship and like the advancement of the kingdom um, so I'm going to pray and then we're just going to get started have a nice little reset um, so that we just come before you right now in the name of Jesus and I thank you so much just for breakthrough tonight in all shapes and sizes thank you so much for everybody who's here tonight um Everybody who showed up, everybody who's who's not here too, um, we just pray blessings over everyone here. We just we thank you. Thank you for what your word says, um, and we just thank you for the strength to get through tonight without crying some more. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. All right. Okay. Uh, so, um, to preface this and, and where we're where we're going and where we're headed, uh, so next week we're gonna be doing a like a little roundtable. Well, first of all, next it's next week, right? Or is it two weeks from now? Uh, next week. Next week. Yeah. So next week, Josiah is has rented out the local cup and he's doing a little bit of a worship night. Um, to raise money for his mission trip with YWAM at, uh, towards the end of the year. Can I share a quick testimony with that? Yeah, go for it. The initial uh, goal was to raise 2500 uh, as part. And yesterday, like, actually for the last week and a half, God's been talking to me about, like, selling my car as an act of faith and obedience to, to get a lot of this money taken care of. And um, so I did that. And... Uh, I have now over nine tenths of what I needed. I needed a total of ten thousand um, dollars for this entire missions trip because I'll be gone for six and a half months, and now I only need six hundred and seventy-five dollars left. Amen. So, um, yeah, thank you for anything, even just for prayers. Like, if there's a nation, if you can't come, and if there's a nation that pops in your head, please pray for that nation because, like, God cares about these nations that's that what's happening around the world right now this is this is not to be taken lightly like we have a responsibility as the church to be praying for uh, unbelievers and to be praying for the lost yeah amen awesome that's that's amazing so um kate and i will be at that like hanging out it's until it's from like 6 to 7 30 yep, right 7 30 so um noah will be leading. cool so him and noah will be leading um there will be coffee, right? Yeah, absolutely. All right, tight. So um, there'll, be, there'll be coffee. Um, Matt and Savannah will be leading things here um, with Cameron as well. So if you guys uh, can't come to Josiah's thing or you just prefer being here, totally cool. Nobody's going to be offended either way. Um, and then after that, we're all going to make our way back here, and we're going to do like a little bit of a roundtable um, talking about how to hear God's voice better and like how um, – we all hear God's voice differently and just kind of talking about things like that. Last year, we we had a couple teachings on it, um, and so we really kind of want to refine it because after that, uh, Jacob Gunther is going to be here and teaching for two weeks um, about an active prayer life and what an active prayer life looks like. 
Um, and then eventually we're going to talk about fasting and being baptized in the Holy Spirit and even doing a baptismal service, um, baptizing in, in the Holy Spirit, but also like baptizing in water. So if you want to get baptized, let us know. And then after that, we're going to jump into talking about the gifts of the Spirit. And so the reason why I'm listing off all these things that we're doing is because all this stuff, uh, the purpose of it is to advance the kingdom of God. Right, And as tight as we are, as close of a knit family as we are, as many people have gotten healing here, have gotten sanctified here, those are all great things, but those are great things, um, and they, they serve a purpose in your life because God cares for you individually, but he cares about you so much that he transforms you so you can go out and help others. You are blessed to be a blessing, and so what, what we want to do is we want to eventually get everybody mobilized. Like, we're not called to be a church that sits in the four walls in this community, in this big house. Like, we're called to get out. We're called to be doing so many different things in order to win people over for Jesus and to transform um, this neighborhood, transform the city, transform the nation. And, and like, hear, hear me clearly. Like, I'm not saying that we're not doing those things. And I'm definitely not saying we should go around chasing revival. Amen. Don't even get me started on that. If you want to ask me about that later, you definitely can. All right? Um, but you will be there for a long time. You will save a couple hours. Um, <laughs> but the, the thing of it is, is that um, God's kingdom is supposed to advance. Um, Jesus said that um, the gates of hell shall not prevail against the kingdom of heaven. All right? And gates aren't offensive things. They're defensive. You build a gate not to attack somebody, but to keep somebody out. Right? And so when we're talking about kingdom advancement and our kingdom citizenship as we get into this teaching, what I, guys, what, what I want you guys to see, what I really feel like God is saying is that um, by understanding who you are, and the purpose that God has for you, you will be able to go into the territories that were once temptations for you and begin to win people over to the Lord because of your testimony. Amen. It doesn't always have to be something big, right? Like as much as I love Bethel and all these other big movements where the Holy Spirit is there, a lot of them so overemphasize these big miraculous things that a lot of us feel really small. And we feel like we can't do those things. How am I ever going to do those things? First of all, I want to let you know, you can definitely do those things. I'm sorry that the enemy has tricked you into feeling that way. But secondly, what I want you to understand is just because something seems small to you doesn't mean that it is small to the person you're ministering to and doesn't mean that it's small in the kingdom of God. All right? The kingdom is so big and so diverse and there's so much room for each and every one of you guys in each and every ministry that you, you have and that you want to pursue. Um, you know, just thinking about some of the people who, who are in this room, like Stephanie going out and ministering to a lot of her addict friends and things like that and wanting support for things like that, or um, Hannah Rose running the blessings table and, and uh, Savannah working in the place that she works with all the occultic stuff that goes on all the time. You know, it's, it's so funny because, like, Savannah came out of so much occultism, the reason why she's there isn't just because it's a good place to work. It's because literally everything that all of her coworkers are going through, she's been through, she's come out of all of it, and she can say, well, God has something better for you, so you don't have to rely on these essential oils anymore or all these vitamins or all these other things. And, like, sometimes it feels super overwhelming. But the fact of the matter is, like, it's not because God created you for this purpose. Do not let the enemy deceive you into feeling overwhelmed in those areas Amen. when you have a family that, can re that you can rely on. Amen. All right? That's a good word, man. So, um, that being said, when you go out to advance the kingdom, it's so much better and so much easier to do it when you, first of all, know how to hear the voice of God, right? Which takes knowing what he sounds like, how he's talking to other people, so you can kind of compare and contrast in a healthy way, you know, not in the spirit of comparison, but like, you know, oh, okay, I get it now, so I definitely recognize that God's talking to me in this way, and then having that active prayer life, 
talking to him all the time, which is why we're doing these next couple weeks. And then the gifts of the Spirit manifest best through prayer and fasting, which is why we're going to go through a season of fasting. And then when you actually get out and you get to ministering to the people who are lost, who are not saved, or even to the Christians that have lost their way, how much easier is it to show them the glory of God when you know you have the gifts of the Spirit to back you up? Amen. Right? You have the faith for it. And so that's what we're aiming for. That's what we're going for. And it's not like an overarching, like, we got to be over, overly spiritual and, like, weird about things. But we want you guys to know who you are and what your giftings are and what they look like when they manifest. Because when God wants me to heal someone, my whole body lights up like it's on fire. But when God wants Joe to heal somebody, his body it's like he's on ice and it's it's weird and it's different and we don't always go looking for feelings like we're not feelings oriented but when you can recognize that God is definitely moving and he shows you a sign it helps your faith Amen. so that you can step out right yeah. so that's that's like what we're going to be going for over the next like couple weeks a little bit but in order to get there we have to understand what we have we have to understand who we are, and we've talked a lot about sonship and, like, daughtership and what that looks like, what it is to look like the bride of Christ and, like, have a good father that loves you. Um, but tonight we're going to talk about something a little bit different. Tonight we're going to be talking about something that a lot of people, a lot of churches don't talk about a lot, um, so I'm super excited. Some of the things that we're going to be talking about can be found in this book. The basic, or the principal power of kingdom citizenship, keys to experience heaven on earth, by Dr. Miles Monroe. This book, just just this guy, like this, just this guy. <laughs> I can't tell you. I I have I have five of his books, and I just once I start it, I can't stop. Okay. So if you're looking for good practical wisdom that isn't like super over spiritualized and makes you feel like, well, makes you feel condemned, like some mm. people write. Um, this guy is so good. Dr. Miles Monroe, recommend 10 for 10. Um, he's just so good. So um, when it comes to kingdom, when it comes to the kingdom, it, uh, when it comes to our identity and our purpose and our mandate from Jesus, one of the most important parts of, of this is knowing who we are in the kingdom of God. The first the first thing that we need to know is that we are all children of God, right? That's the first thing. That is the most important thing. That is the most basic thing. However, that is where we start, right? Um, well, we start in salvation, and then we move to sonship, and then we move to this. I would, I would like to propose to you, we move to this next thing, and that is citizenship. What does it mean to be a citizen of the kingdom of heaven? Because one of the biggest things that trips us up a lot of times is that we don't understand that heaven isn't just a destination after we die. Amen. Heaven is a country that we have access to right now. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5 that we are ambassadors of the reconciliation of Christ. That means we are ambassadors of the kingdom of heaven. And I don't know how much you guys study uh, civics in school or, or you know, any of the social sciences. It's the only thing my dad would let me study because I think he wanted me to be a politician to some degree. And I have a lot of information, useless information when it comes, well, I thought it was useless, but um, a lot of information about how politics work. And if you are an ambassador from the United States to another country, that country that you're in, none of them are allowed to touch you. You are able to do whatever you want and you can plead citizenship of the country that you're from and that's why like they're really this is not how the kingdom of heaven like works because you would never want to commit murder but say you're an ambassador from the united states and you wanted to go just shoot somebody on the side of the street that whatever country you're in they can't do anything once you shoot their citizen because well you're an ambassador from another country and all you have to do is go to your embassy and you're safe bonkers right that's how the world works well when it comes to the kingdom of heaven and your citizenship, if you sin, all you have to do is go back to your embassy so that the enemy can't take you prisoner. Amen. Does that make sense? You tracking with me? Sorry to get so like 
bold and blunt about, you know, killing somebody on the side of the street and stuff. But, like, how often are the sins that we commit, like, for instance, hatred? Jesus says that if you hate your brother, you've already murdered them in your heart, right? So say I hate somebody and just I repent. I go back to my embassy, my kingdom, and the Satan can't get in. He can't get into heaven, right? Um, so this is, this, is, this is very important. This is vitally important. Um, before we get into talking about a lot of this stuff, let's paint a picture as to why it's so important. Did you know that Jesus did not often preach himself? I know a lot of the times we make jokes and we say, oh, well, do you have time to talk about our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ? Jesus never approached anything that way. You realize that? When it comes to his teachings, when it comes to the things he preached, do you know that 95% of the things that he said were based upon giving you knowledge of the kingdom, the country of heaven? You realize that? Go back and look through the Gospels. The Gospel of Matthew is my favorite Gospel, and it is because it is the Gospel that reveals the most about the nature and the government of heaven. It's so intense. It's the Gospel that was written to the Jews, and so the Jews understood Christ to be the Messiah King, and the reason why it's written the way that it is is because it reveals all the prophecies in the Old Testament of Jesus' coming and His kingship and lordship over the Israelites. It's amazing. Within the Gospel of Matthew alone, the kingdom, the word kingdom, appears almost 30 times. Um, the next gospel that has the word kingdom in it that many times is the Gospel of Luke, and it's only 24. The word kingdom in the New Testament alone appears 167 times. It's bonkers. It's way more than the word forgiveness, and it's way more than the word love. But when we talk about God, most of the time, what do we talk about? We talk about God forgiving our sins and God loving us. But the subject matter of the kingdom of God appears way more than any of those other two subjects. Yeah. And it's bonkers because we miss it. Amen. So, the presence and the coming of the kingdom of God is the central message of Jesus in everything. It is the central message of the gospel. He did not say, oh, I've come to you to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's what a lot of us say, right? But his, his words are several times in the gospels, he says, I've come to give you the gospel of the kingdom. The good news of the kingdom, not the good news of Jesus Christ. He is the king. So when we say Jesus Christ, what we really mean, or what I would like us to get to is the gospel of the kingdom. But what Jesus is saying is, this is the gospel of my father's country. This is the gospel of my father's kingdom, and this is what this is about. Even when Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the light, you know that he is the way. We've talked about this before. He's the way to the father, right? Where's the father? The father is in heaven, right? The kingdom of heaven. God is the kingdom of heaven. It's interchangeable in, in the gospels. Matthew specifically says the kingdom of heaven, whereas the rest of the gospels say the kingdom of God, all right? So get this. Um, Jesus is the way to the kingdom of heaven. He is the truth or the word of God now that he's ascended in heaven, right? Revelation 19, 13. And on top of that, in Revelation 21, it says that when we get to heaven, we won't need the sun or the moon anymore. In fact, they don't even exist because the lamb is the light of the kingdom, which is amazing. And it's, I just, I love it. And so... When we look at Jesus' teachings, when we look at the parables, when we look at the truths that he illustrated to his followers and his disciples, they're all based around the kingdom. Almost every single one of his parables starts off with, and the kingdom of heaven is like Amen. this mustard seed, right? Um, we see in his prayer, thy kingdom come, thy, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It's all about bringing in this aspect of the kingdom. Um, even in, I think it's Colossians, it, Paul writes that we have been transferred out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light and our Savior. What does that actually mean to transfer from one kingdom to another? Unless you study politics and things like that and citizenship, you're not going to know. And so we're missing out on a lot of aspects of who God is and what he has for us because we don't rightly understand what it is to be a kingdom citizen. You guys tracking with me? I know I just word vomited a lot. Um, whew. All right. So throughout the Old and the New Testament, we see because of the way that Jesus taught that everything that God has ever said was to give us tools to expand the kingdom of God. 
All right. Even when we go to Genesis 1, we can look at Genesis or let me see. Yeah. Genesis 1, uh, chapters 1 through 3, we see that God um, in the beginning were the heavens and the earth, and the earth was formless and void, and the Spirit of the Lord hovered over the waters of the, uh, waters of the deep, right? The Spirit of the Lord was hovering over the darkness that was over the earth. And what did God do? He said, let's create something. Let's create something good. The first commandment that Adam and Eve had before their fall was, be fruitful and multiply. When you multiply, you expand the kingdom that you're in. The kingdom that they were in at that time was Eden, and it was set up to be heaven on earth. So their original purpose was to expand that kingdom of heaven on earth out into all the darkness that the earth still was at the time because Eden was the only source of light that they had at, the, at that moment, and they failed, which set us up to where we are right now, right? But... That, that purpose of expanding God's kingdom and them being kingdom citizens was still there. Because even before Jesus came the way that he came to, to love us and to die for us, he was still the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. So, when it comes to your citizenship, um, when it comes to this, this whole aspect of the kingdom... Um, what we need to understand is that without God's kingdom, there is no salvation, there is no healing, there is no deliverance, and there is no love. Every king has a domain in which they rule. And if Jesus is king, then his kingdom advancement is of the utmost importance. Salvation is the beginning of the kingdom. Yeah, it is the beginning of seeing... It is the beginning of seeing from the kingdom perspective. Salvation is not the end all be all. It is the introduction into what God has for you. Amen. Does that make sense? Yes. All right. Cool. So let's talk about it. Let's go to um, Philippians 3 verse 20 and Ephesians 2 19. Who wants to read for me? God bless you. God bless you. Philippians 3.20 and Ephesians 2 verse 19. Philippians 3.20 yep. and Ephesians 2.19. Yep. Cool. You have uh, Philippians, Kate? Mm-hmm. Go ahead and read it. Um, for our conversation is in heaven from where also, we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. The word conversation is also underlined in my Bible, and it says citizenship underneath it. That's what I was going to say. That word conversation doesn't actually mean the way that you're talking. It means your citizenship, who you are, where you, where you place your trust. Right? So Paul is saying here that our citizenship is in heaven. Um, does anybody have Ephesians 2.19? Me. Read it. Sorry, I didn't look cool. Sorry. <laughs> Um, now, therefore, you are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God. All right, cool. So I wanted to give you guys um, some verses to show that, like, you're actually in the kingdom. You're a kingdom citizen, and this is a pretty cool thing. Um, so, so here's the thing about citizenship is that when you're a citizen of a country, it's the country's duty to protect you. It's the country's duty to make sure that you're living a wealthy life um, or a prosperous life in, in the most. And I'm not, I'm not talking about like, I'm not talking political agendas as far as like socialism versus capitalism goes versus communism or anything like that. Like let's just look at the basics of how we define a, uh, a prosperous country, a country that does well by its citizens. In a country like that, all of its citizens do well. They all prosper, right? If a king has citizens that are not prospering, he's not viewed as a good king, right? Yeah. Right? Like, let's just be honest. It's not trick questions. Um, if people in his country are dying, he's not viewed as a good king. If people in his country are at war and he is not supporting them and sending more troops to protect them, he's not a good king, Right? So we look at the kingdom, when we look at kingdom citizenship, we have to take a lot of these things into account. And when it comes to a lot of the way that we view our citizenship, we view it from the lens of a democratic republic, which is what the United States is. And that's very dangerous because we get to vote and tell our leaders how we want to live. 
And I'm again, I'm not trying to force or push any kind of agenda. You guys know me. You know I, I hate talking about politics. I, I well, I like talking about how silly some things are and double-minded they are. But I don't, I, I don't vote. I don't push any of that type of stuff. I think it's all silly because I think the kingdom of heaven is the end-all, be-all, and that's what we should all be aiming for. Okay. Yeah. So when I, when I say this, I really want you guys to hear what I'm saying from my heart, not like from a political like agenda and perspective. I'm not telling you to go out and vote or anything like that. If you want to, feel free, like yada, yada, whatever. Vote for who you want to vote for. I don't care. The, at the end of the day, what I'm saying is that because we have grown up in a democratic republic where we get to vote, it has messed up how we view the kingdom of heaven and the lens in which we view it. All right? Hear me out. If the president of the United States says, this is the law and this is what we're going to do, if enough citizens in the United States say, no, I don't like that, the law gets changed. Right? When it comes to a kingdom, when it comes to being a part of a colony, which is what we are, we're colonists here on earth. Our citizenship is in heaven. When it comes to a kingdom and a king... When you study basic history, when the king says something, you don't fight it, you go do it, or you're in trouble. <laughs> right? Yeah. Alright, so let's let's look at this for a second. How many times have has God said explicitly, do something? <coughs> like, hey, uh, be humble, for my hand is against the proud. Right? Let's use me as an example. I've been wanting to come forward. I have felt like I needed to come forward with this stuff for a long time. Kate has bugged me and bugged me and bugged me about it. Tonight, I got to be humble. And it felt great. And it was awesome. But because I was resisting God for a long time and coming forward with a lot of this stuff, it was wearing me down. And it was hurting me. And I was getting fed up. And all this other stuff. Here's the thing. When God says to do something, you don't fight it. You can. You're going to lose. You don't get to vote. Dang. Amen. That's right. Let's, let's look at another example, right? Deuteronomy 28 is one of the best chapters in the Bible. Do you know why? Because it lays out the blessings for following God's commandments. Yeah. 15 verses. This chapter is 68 verses long. 15 verses are dedicated to blessings. You know what the other, uh, what is it? 53 verses are about? What comes when you disobey and the horrible, horrible things that will happen to you. Terrible. Horrible. <laughs> I made Kate read it in front of everybody one time. It was oh perfect. Oh my gosh. I will never forget. <laughs> Helped her conquer a lot of fears of reading out in public. It was great. Anyway, the fact of the matter is, when God says something, you don't get a you don't get the opportunity to fight it. Yeah. You either do it and be blessed, or you don't and you get cursed. And that cursing doesn't often come from God. Yeah. Most times it comes from the enemy. But the biggest curse that you could ever receive is walking away from God's blessings. Because when you walk away from his blessings, you walk away from his protection. Amen. If you are in a kingdom, the king is required to protect you because you are a part of his kingdom. But the moment you step out into the enemy's camp, willingly, he can't do anything about it. Right? One of the reasons why I love these shows like Vikings and The Last Kingdom and all these things about like old, like old civilizations and stuff like that isn't... it. It's all such a huge metaphor for how God works still today because as much as we like to think that God has changed, Scripture is very clear. He's the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. He's not going to change. The only people that have gotten to change God's mind are the people who are the closest to Him. And I guarantee you, if you don't have a prayer life like Moses or Elijah or Jesus, you're not changing His mind. And until you learn how to be obedient, He won't ask you what you think. He'll tell you what to think. All right. There is a level of of there is a level of intimacy where once you're submitted enough to the king and to his rule and his reign and his rules, once you're obedient enough, he says, "What do you want with your life? What do you want to do? Who do you want to be?" Based around being first my son and secondly a citizen. But that only happens when you're obedient. And until you get the obedient thing down patent, that other stuff doesn't come. And you miss out on everything that he has for you. All right? 
These are all good things to some bad. Yes, they're all good things. So here's the thing. Here's the thing I want to talk about. I want to talk about the law. The law's not scary, like everybody seems to think it is. And we're not done with it. It's so funny how people take Galatians and they preach it and they say we're done with it. So let's 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 continue this conversation about kingdom and kingdom citizenship. You know, like you're you're citizens of the United States, right? Technically we're born here. So we have rules that we have to follow. Why are you guys laughing? No. Okay. <laughs> Oh. <laughs> We're your citizen now, so props. <laughs> Out of the darkness and into the light. <laughs> uh. <laughs> From sin <laughs> into righteousness. Um, kingdom of heaven, not... Anyway, off track. So here's the thing. As a citizen of the United States, you have to abide by the United States laws. Right? Yeah. You yeah. can't just go shoot a guy on the side of the street. What happens? You get locked up. <laughs> or worse. So the laws are here to protect you so the government can protect you, right? You're only... All right. In the New Testament, we're not under the law anymore. We're under grace, right? Yeah. Grace weighs us down and lifts us up. Okay, so when you're under the law, that means you're under the law and it's hurting you, right? But you don't have to be under the law if you live by the law. And I'm not saying that you take it religiously or legalistically and you make it the end-all be-all, but what I'm saying is that you're only under the law when you're breaking the law, right? That's when the hammer comes down on you and you're underneath it, right? Okay. So, the kingdom of heaven, like any other kingdom, has rules. It has laws. Where are they all found? Do you know what the laws of the kingdom of heaven are? Is it the commands that Jesus gave, or is it the commands? You know what? Let's start. Let's let's start with the commands Moses. that Jesus gave. Go ahead. Give me the commands that Jesus Whoa. gave, because I know you haven't memorized. <laughs> the the golden the the first do the the golden commandments. The, well, golden it says rule. love God with everything. Love your neighbor as yourself. Mm-hmm. And then um. Uh, it says in, Hebrew, in Matthew 7, he said, um, whatever you want me to do to you, do unto them. All right. Um, he said, that's uh, one of this thing, all law and the prophets. And so basically, it starts in the Old Testament. Party. <laughs> <laughs> love God as you want and only God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind. And love your neighbor as you love yourself. For in doing this hang, hangs all of the law and the prophets. Right? Yep. People often preach that verse and they say, oh, yeah, all you got to do is love people anymore. Well, what does love look like? Sure. Where do you find it? Yeah. Where did Jesus base everything he did off of? Because if he was really the Messiah, then he could not have broken any of God's laws. Where are they found? In the Old Testament. So why do we overlook it? And why do we preach against it? I mean, he taught on the, the gospel of Abraham. So, yeah. yeah. Taught on the gospel. He taught on the laws of Moses too. He taught on the prophets. He taught on everything. He consumed the entire Old Testament. It's all he preached from. And in fact, when you study the law, the letters that Paul and the rest of the apostles wrote, that's all they quoted too. So why is the law over and done with? I would like to propose to you that it's not. We've misunderstood that. So, let's look at Galatians three. I want to. I want to show you guys something. When you guys sit. To kind of get this. Because when you understand God's law, God's law protects you and you can be blessed. When you don't understand it and you continue to break it, even if you're not aware of it, you get cursed. That's what happens. Okay? As a citizen, it's our duty to know our laws so our government can take care of us. Right? As a church, since we have our 501c3... I have loopholes that I can go through in order to make sure that we as a church stay protected by the government for right now. Probably the reason why we're a house church is because that might end someday. Anyway, that's besides the point. I know the, what the law has for us right now. All right? It may change in the future, but God's laws don't. 
So Galatians 3, we're going to start in verse 19. We're going to go all the way to verse 29. It says, Wherefore then serves the law? It was added because of transgressions, till the seed should come to whom the promise was made. And it was ordained by angels in the hand of a mediator. Now a mediator is not a mediator of one, but God is one. Is the law then against the promises of God? God forbid. You know what he says? You know what he's saying there? Because all the promises of God are yes and amen in Christ, right? The law is not against the promises of God. God forbid. The promises of God come when we obey the law, right? For if there had been a law given which could have given life, verily righteousness should have been by the law. But it's not. It comes from Jesus Christ, right? Which means we get to obey all that stuff. Oh, hey, guys. Party, party. But before... Walked in, you distracted me. All right. Where am I? 22. Verse 22. Thank you, Matt. But scripture has concluded all under sin that the promise by faith of Jesus Christ might be given to them that believe. But before faith came, we kept, we were kept under the law, shut up to faith, which should afterwards be revealed. Wherefore, the law was our schoolmaster to bring us to Christ that we might be justified by faith. But after that faith has come, we are no longer under a schoolmaster, for you are all children of God by faith in Jesus Christ. For as many of you have been baptized into Christ, have put on the faith of Christ. There is therefore neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither bond nor free, there is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ. And if you be Christ's, then are you Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. All right, I want to go back. Let's back up for a second. Um, Verses 23 through 25 say, But before faith came, we were kept under the law, shut up to the faith, which should afterwards be revealed. Wherefore, the law was our schoolmaster to bring us to Christ, that we might be justified by faith. But after that faith is come, we are no longer under a schoolmaster. The law is supposed to be our tutor until faith comes, right? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. What is the law? The word of God. Jesus is the law. (laughs) All right. We're not going to go there yet. I, I want you guys to understand something here, okay? Do you have areas in your life where you don't have faith or that faith hasn't manifested yet? Yes. Everybody does, all right? On this side of eternity, I've yet to meet a person that hasn't had some area that they're working on, okay? I'm not saying that it's impossible to get to that point to where you don't need to be working on things anymore. I think that we can because all things are possible through Christ, right? But the fact of the matter is you have areas of your life that you need a tutor or a schoolmaster in. And where is that found? In the law and in the prophets. And until we understand that and until we understand where faith comes from, then we're always going to be missing out on an aspect of our citizenship in heaven. Always. Always. Do you know that most of the time faith comes first by doing? You don't actually feel or perceive your faith until you act on something. And some people would say, oh, well, that's very legalistic. That's the law. No, but faith comes from the law. Faith comes from acting out the law. That's what this scripture just said. You act on the law. The law is your schoolmaster until faith comes. Where does faith come from? Faith comes from hearing and hearing by the word of God. What is the law? The law is the word of God. It is not bad. And in fact, it proves God's promises. That's what that scripture just said that we read, right? Verse 21. Is the law then against the promises of God? God forbid. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I'm not saying that we get legalistic. Look, let's look at it. 2 Corinthians 3 verses 4 through 9. Does somebody want to read that for me? I'll do it. Do it. Uh... 2 Corinthians 3, verses 4 through 9. We have such trust through Christ toward God, not that we are sufficient in ourselves to take credit for anything of ourselves, but our sufficiency is from God, who has made us able ministers of the new covenant. 
not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. If the ministry that brought death, written and engraved on stones, was glorious, so that the children of Israel could not look intently at the face of Moses, because of the glory of his countenance, the glory which was to fade away, how will the ministry of the Spirit not be more glorious? For if the ministry of condemnation is glorious, the ministry of righteousness much more exceeds it in glory. All right. Um, so we live by the spirit of the law. We don't live by the letter of the law because the letter of the law kills. We live by the spirit of the law. But the only way to know the spirit of the law is to read the law and stop being afraid of it. Amen. Now, if we get legalistic and we say, oh, well, I messed up this many times today. Like, oh, my gosh, I'm such a terrible person because I can't live by the law. You're living by the letter of the law and it's going to kill you. Amen. However, if you read the law and you go, okay, this is my aim. I may not reach it today, but I know I'm going to reach it because I have faith in the Holy Spirit who is in me. And I have faith in Christ and I have faith that God is good. Right? That brings life and life abundant. Is this, is this making sense to you guys? Yes. All right. Because again, when we, when we look at what Jesus said as far as the commandments or the law of the New Testament, he says, love God as your one and only God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind. And the next is like it, to love your neighbor as yourself. Upon these two commandments lie all of the law and the prophets. The only way to understand what Jesus was saying in those moments was is to go back and reread the old and begin to understand the spirit in which it was written. Yes. That spirit in which it was written, because even Jesus said it himself, is love. Yes. Is love. Yeah, it is. It's to protect us. It's so that we can be protected by a good and loving Father, because He is our King. He wants to protect us as if we are His citizens. Right? The same way that the, protect, the president is bound to protect us in case something happens to us. right? However, if we don't understand that, then we're missing out on certain aspects of what it is to be a son of God or a daughter of God and living in the kingdom of heaven. Um, whew, okay, good. 43 minutes. All right. All right. We're going we're gonna to land this thing soon. Um, so when it comes to being a citizen of the kingdom of heaven, such a big deal. But we're, we're not just citizens that get to sit around. God calls us co-laborers. We're colonizers. Yeah. We are meant to colonize earth until it looks like heaven. Um, this is one of the subjects that I'm the most passionate about. Uh, because it really lines up with my giftings and the way that I think about things a lot of times because I'm always looking to find people, other people's giftings and help them understand how they can turn their area of influence into a little colony of heaven so that they can help others. Um, when, we, when, when I taught on the apostle, that's, I mean, that's one of the mandates of an apostle is to change or to colonize an area for the king that that person is serving. And that is like, that's my passion. That's my drive. That's why, we're, uh, that's why I'm always pushing you guys and asking you guys, like, what are your gifts? What do you want to do? What do you, what's God put on your heart? Like, it's one of the reasons why I have such a, such a leadership team and I converse with so many other leaders is because I don't, I don't just want to sit here, all right? I don't just want to, like, be in one little area. I, I want us to mobilize. The gates of hell aren't supposed to stand against us, and that means we have to go rip them out. All right, that means we're supposed to attack it and continue to just keep hitting it. And as intense as I get about things sometimes, I hope you guys understand that the reason why I get that way is because this is the end all be all. It's not just salvation. It's bringing about the kingdom Amen. manifested. Amen. Yes. Uh, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence. Jesus said it. The kingdom of heaven suffers violence and the violent take it by force, right? So when we go against the gates of hell, we're supposed to take it by force. We're supposed to hit it and hit it and hit it and keep hitting, hitting it until it breaks and it bursts. And we get the, and God gets the glory, right? Um, it's such a big deal. It's such a big deal. Um, so, 
What is required of kingdom citizenship? What is it? What is required of being a kingdom of heaven and being a citizen in the kingdom of heaven? Besides following the laws, that's that's important, right? Like, because we don't want to get locked up by the enemy because of silly mistakes that we made because we lack knowledge. My people perish because they lack knowledge, and because they have rejected my knowledge, I will reject their sons as kings and priests in my kingdom. As Hosea four. Um, so when it comes to the kingdom of of heaven, being a part of the kingdom of God, being a citizen in the kingdom, we have legal rights to things Amen. when we obey God's laws. Yeah. Now. We have legal rights to things. That's why, like, I don't know if you guys have noticed this, but that's why, like, when we pray and we apply the word to something, you know how sometimes we'll pray out of our emotions and it just won't work? Yeah. Amen. It's because we're not praying on anything that matters. Like, I mean, your, your emotions do matter, like, to some extent. Like, don't get me wrong. But, like, when it comes to prayer, when it comes to God fulfilling his promises, his promises aren't moved by your feelings. They're moved by your faith. And what is your faith Your what is your faith in? Well, your faith is, well, if, if your faith isn't manifest yet, then you got to keep going back to your schoolmaster. Do you know God's word is settled in heaven? Amen. Amen. Do you know God holds his word higher than he holds his name? Yeah. Which means we plead like the name of Jesus over things, right? And we still don't get results. But the moment we bring the word back into it and we say, no, God, this is what you said. And you hold this higher than your name. Yes. Something happens. Amen. It may only be a little bit because we've got, maybe we've got a sin issue that we need to work through. Maybe the enemy's in the way of something. But it still budgets. Right? My screen went off. That's how I know I've been rambling for too long. <laughs> So our kingdom citizenship, what is it like to be a citizen in the kingdom of heaven? Well, we've got to know God's word. We've got to know the law. As much as it may bore us, as much as you may feel like it's going to hurt you and you're not going to like it because you feel like you can't live up to it, I promise you because of the Holy Spirit, you can. Amen. What the law requires, grace fulfills. Mm, yeah. What the law requires, grace empowers. You can do it. Just don't beat yourself up when you can't be humble be in community be a part of the kingdom so that when you can't others can help you so that you can right and the definition of grace is the best definition the definition of grace is God's divine empowerment upon the human heart and the reflection of it in a person's life so if God's not divinely empowering you to live the law and understand it and understand the spirit behind the law then it's not grace that you're in, it's something demonic and occultic. I have a question. Yes. When Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments, is he talking about the law in that verse? Well, what commandments did he give you? To love your neighbor as yourself. First love God, love your neighbor as yourself. Um, forgive others, your heavenly Father will forgive you. All right, but you name, just the name. But yeah, but like that, those golden two that you mentioned, the verse that comes right after that says, "Upon which these commandments are from the laws and the prophets." Okay. Yeah. Cool. Did Jesus give you new commandments? No. They all line back up with the Old Testament, don't they? Yeah. And in fact, in many places, he raises the bar. It's not just like, "Oh man, don't commit adultery." He goes, "Hey, dude, if you could, if you imagine." That you're with the girl, you've already committed adultery in your heart, so you've already committed the sin. Yeah. He wasn't just like, oh no, grace, dude, you got this mercy, like, huh, don't worry about it. No, he raised the bar. Yeah. He raised the bar. And and until we understand that, we'll never understand who God is and how severely he takes sin. Yeah. Alright? Because it's a big deal. Yeah. Because if we're truly transferred from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light, then we're supposed to stop sinning because there's no darkness in him. Right? So where's the darkness in us coming from? Like, what's he going to do with it? If we take it into his kingdom, what's he going to do with it? It's going to be bad. So we need to get sanctified. If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. Where are the commandments found? If you love me... If you love me, if Israel loved me, we talked about, we, Savannah did a great teaching on rest a couple weeks ago. Kate's done teachings on rest here. And you know what? Every time we talk about rest, we go right back to a fee, or Hebrews 4, and it says, without faith, they couldn't enter the, the, to the rest or the promises yeah. of God. Well, why did God say they didn't have faith? Because they didn't live the law, right? God gave them the law, and they rejected it. 
It's amazing. It's amazing. The Israel didn't live by the law. They will, willingly accepted occultism, even though God was like, hey, dude, look at all these blessings I've been giving you for all these years. Don't grow cold to them. And what did they do? They sold themselves into slavery because they refused God's knowledge. Yeah. I don't want to be that person. I don't want any of you guys to be that person. I don't think any of you guys want to be that person either. That's why it's so important to talk about not just, oh, I'm a son of God and God's lovey-dovey and he loves me and all this other stuff. We have to understand that he is also the king of kings and the king does not change his laws or his rules for anyone. Anyone. There's only one time in scripture where God repents and it's to Moses. One time. I don't know about you, but I definitely know that I don't have that. I don't got that kind of relationship with God. I'm not going to ask him to repent. That would be silly, right? Because his, his rules protect us. And the only reason why God relented was because Moses was acting as an intercessor for God's people. Yeah. Right? And it wasn't that God changed his rule on, like, the law. It wasn't that God changed his mind on the laws that he had. The laws were still the laws, right? He still required them to live by it. He just said, all right, you know what? You're right, Moses. I won't kill him just yet. Fix him, though. <laughs> right? Yep. And as, as much as we, like, love to talk about God being lovey-dovey, and we talked about this before, yes, God is lovey-dovey, and his anger comes from his love. Amen. And he will destroy whatever comes against his beloved. Why? Because we are citizens in his kingdom. If the kingdom of darkness is coming against us, what does he do? He's our defender. He's our shield. He's our buckler. We've got so many Bible verses about it, and yet we wonder why the enemy's still coming after us. Well, he said it. Deuteronomy 28. If you're obedient, right? Jesus said it himself in the New Testament. Obedience is better than sacrifice. I don't I don't want your sacrifices anymore. I want you to learn what it is to do justly and act righteously. Amen. Righteous means acting as if you are a part of God's kingdom. Yeah. Righteousness in the New Testament. We'll talk here. What does it require to be a kingdom citizen? Well, first you have to seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Matthew 6, 33, right? The word righteousness there means the state in which a man ought to be. According to who? God. Dad. The king of kings, right? The state in which you ought to be is perfect and whole and obedient, right? And when you're obedient, then he begins to give you a say in things. But only once you become obedient, right? And the word kingdom there doesn't just mean like kingdom as country. It does mean that, but it also means power and glory. It's the king's domain. Where God is, his power and his glory are always found. When you're in the kingdom, when you're safely rooted in the kingdom of God, the power of the kingdom always backs you up. That's why Jesus could say, the keys to heaven have been given to me. Go therefore. Right? He defeated death. So death didn't have a hold on, on him anymore. He has the keys to everything, and he says, go therefore. But you can only go therefore when you realize your kingdom citizenship and begin to learn obedience. Jesus learned obedience through the things he suffered. If Jesus had to learn obedience being 100% perfect, I think we do too. And I think we need to stop making excuses for why we're being disobedient and just sit in reverence with God and be obedient. That's the only way to fully walk in your kingdom citizenship and be protected by the king of kings. It's the only way. We have to stop using Romans 7 as an excuse to sin. It gives us an explanation of the kingdom battle that we're fighting, and it's perfect in that. But we have to stop going to these theologies that use it as an excuse to sit in sin and never overcome. Amen. When as a citizen of the kingdom, our kingdom is glorious, it's always triumphant, so we are destined to win. That's what it says in 2 Corinthians. God causes us to triumph in all situations. Why? Because we're citizens of his kingdom. So, what does that look like? Jesus said, not just Jesus, but John the Baptist. John the Baptist started this. John the Baptist goes out into the wilderness and starts preaching to people, and he says, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. What does that mean? 
Kingdom of heaven is here, right now, so repent. Jesus gets baptized in the Holy Spirit and baptized in water, and he shows up in the first sermon that he preaches in Matthew 4. 4 verse 17. <laughs> I love this. Let's start in verse 16. It says, The people which sat in, sat in darkness saw great light, and to them which sat in the region and shadow of death, light sprung up. From that time, Jesus began to preach. This light sprung up when Jesus said, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's here, and it's near, and it's now. The kingdom was Jesus' central message. He didn't say, Repent, for your Savior is here. He said, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Now let's experience it together. Right? He says this again in Mark uh, 1. 15. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So what does this look like? What does what being a, a citizen of the kingdom look like? What is this advancement going out and mobilizing? What does it look like? Some people, I, I love the way Bill Johnson puts this when he starts talking about this next set of verses that we're going to read. We're going to go to Matthew um, 10 for a second or in a minute. Um, what, what, let's start first. We've got to get our minds screwed on straight and like renew our minds, right? That's a part of becoming a kingdom citizen. How do we do that? Well, when we talk to our Father, Jesus taught us how to pray. He says, our Father, this is in Matthew 6, verses 9 through 10. Our Father, who art in heaven, right? He's the King of heaven. Hallowed be thy name. Holy be thy name, right? Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Part of who we are, part of our entire purpose and mandate on this life is to bring heaven to earth in every area that we can. But here's the thing. It starts at home. It starts with you. That's why sanctification is so important. That's why, um, I mean, you talk to any Christian who's been around for the last 50 years and they'll say there's an attack on the family. There's a huge attack on the family. There's a huge attack on men in general. I mean, there's an attack on women for sure, but like when you look at the way that men have been um, demasculized, is that a word? We're not masculine anymore. We, we don't know how to be men. We don't know how to take care of our families. And in fact, when you look at statistics, did you know that 70% of the black population in America are born out of wedlock? That means their parents are not married and chances are their fathers are not around. Did you know that? 50% of Latinos are in the same category and 30% of white people. That's a huge statistic. Yeah. Huge. That's why, that's why Jesus is like, he's your father. Because we need to get our minds wrapped around how good fathers are and how important they are. So I just want to encourage you guys, if you're going to get married, like, your dude, be there. Amen. <laughs> I didn't need to look at you just then, but it's good. You can bring, you bring the kingdom best as a man when you're in your family and you are the source of the family. The word father doesn't just mean dad, it means source. It means foundation. The reason why in Proverbs 31 it says that the wife can go out to the gate and everybody knows who she is and knows her husband by name, even though he's not there, is because he's the foundation and he takes care of the family and she has no awful thing to say about him. Right? Like, that's what that verse means. That's the context in which it's written in. If you are the foundation, you don't have to be seen for people to know who you are. Jesus is the foundation for the kingdom of heaven, is he not? And he, yet he's all that we talk about, and yet he's never seen. Yo. We are his face, yeah. and we are his glory, but do you ever see him? No. I think it's because he laid a good foundation. Anyway... When it comes to bringing about the kingdom on earth as it is in heaven, it starts with us, it starts with the here, it starts with now, it starts with family. That's why we've taken a year and a half, and probably for the rest of this year too, to sit down and be like, let's get sanctified. Amen. Let's get sanctified. Now we're going to go into, all right, what do your gifts look like? So that you can give your gifts to the world. Freely you've received, so freely you must give. On earth as it is in heaven. That's the prayer. So we go to Matthew 10. We talk about this. Um, 
I love the way that past, uh, that Bill Johnson puts this. He says, you know, some people have come to me and they're like, well, what, I don't know what to do with your life, with my life. Amen. What do I do with my life? What's my purpose? What's my calling? And he says, well, heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out demons, cleanse the lepers. And I'm like, well, what do you mean? Why am I supposed to do that? Well, Jesus said it. It's a part of your holy mandate. Well, how do I do that? Well, you just heal the sick, <laughs> raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons. Freely you receive, so freely you must give. Here's the thing that I want you to understand. When we get into this stuff, if you don't know what your calling is specifically yet, that's okay. You don't have to be called to addicts like Stephanie is. You don't have to lead a blessing stable ministry. You don't have to lead a church. You don't have to lead in any sort of like outward capacity to where everybody knows who you are. All you have to do is be a citizen of heaven and know that your father's backing you up. In Matthew 10, Jesus sends out the 12, and this is before they're apostles. At this point, they're just called disciples. His 12 disciples, so it says in verse 1, right? He's, not, he's, does, he's yet to call them apostles. And he says, as you go, preach, saying, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Huh. Haven't heard that before. And then after you say that, heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out devils. Freely you receive, so freely you must give. There you go. That's what it means to be a citizen in the kingdom of heaven. You don't just get to sit by as a son and coast. That's not what God calls you to do. The son is the foundation of your, your sonship, is the foundation of who you are, is your identity. But God is not calling you to coast as a son. He calls you to be a co-laborer and advance the kingdom of heaven. But that happens when we begin to understand who we are as citizens of heaven, what we have to offer. And even though we live on earth, that doesn't mean that we don't abide by heaven's rules because we are God's colony here on earth, right? One of the reasons why I love Miles Monroe and the way that he talks about this particular subject is because he, he, he understands it in a way that we as Americans don't. Because when he was born, he was born in the Bahamas. The Bahamas used to be a colony of England. It used to be a colony of the, the British Isles of the UK. And so when he was born, when he was, when he was coming up until he was about the age of 20, he was technically a citizen of Great Britain because he was in a British colony. So he understands this in a way that a lot of us don't. We don't think about it. We just say, oh, well, I'm a son of God and that's it. No, you're a citizen of the kingdom of heaven and, and it's time that we start advancing that. Whatever that looks like. You could be inviting people to church. You could be praying for people. Heal the sick. Raise the dead. Cleanse the lepers. Cast out demons. That's your call. Yeah. That's what the Great Commission says to do. That's, that's your calling as a citizen. Everything else is going to follow. But in order to truly figure out like your purpose and your calling like specifically, in order for God to ask you, hey, what do you want? We have to first learn obedience so that we can find our purpose. We have to first learn what it is to be a citizen, obedient to our king, and protected by our king, after we've learned the love of God through being a son. Does that make sense? Because if we, if we try to do this stuff without knowing the love of God as a son, then it becomes legalistic, and then we get trapped in performance and perfectionism and all this other garbage, and we don't want that. But... When we know what it's like to be a son and we know the love of God, we are empowered in the citizenship in a way that breaks the chains of hell. Right? So that's my, that's my blurb. I'm going to pray. I'm going to close this out. I'm going to turn off the recording. One of five. That's a, that's a record. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Especially since I spent the first ten minutes ranting about other things that didn't have anything to do with the teaching. Um, so technically that's 55. We're going to go with 55. <laughs> and counting. <laughs> and counting. So I'm going to pray. If you guys have questions, like, feel free to ask. Um, yeah. So Dad, we just come before you right now in the name of Jesus. And we thank you so much for what your word says about being a citizen of the kingdom of God. 
for what Jesus said about being a, a, a part of the kingdom, for everything that he preached about the kingdom. I thank you, and I just, I just bless everybody here. I pray that you would teach us how to see from a kingdom viewpoint, from a kingdom lens, um, that we would be able to go back through the Gospels and be like, whoa, dude, the kingdom. I get it. Because um, there's so much to say about it. There's so much to say about it. I'll just, I'm just going to pray these and read these statistics out loud. Dad, I thank you that you mentioned the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven um, over 30 times in the Gospel of Matthew, 14 times in the Gospel of Mark, uh, 32 times in the Gospel of Luke, and twice in the Gospel of John, six times in the book of Acts, eight times in Paul's writings, and once in the book of Revelation. Lord, I pray that you would just continue to teach us and show us what your kingdom looks like and why Jesus brought it to the forefront and everything that he said and everything that he did. Um, I pray that you would teach us how to be citizens of the kingdom of heaven, not from legalistic means, but from love and from devotion to you. Um, we just thank you for teaching us obedience through the things that we suffer, the way that Jesus did, and for having us grow and mature to a place of faith so that we can enter into your rest. We just thank you. We give you all the honor and glory and praise in Jesus' holy name. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen.